0: This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. What I have for you today is something of interest. It is from Father Dennis Fahey, one of the more noteworthy, we'll say, uh, priests from the early 20th century who taught on the social reign of Christ the King, and what it actually meant. A lot of Catholics profess that Christ is King with their lips, but then support things in the broader world that run afoul of Christ the King. And so what I have for you today is the beginning of Father Dennis Fahey explaining this to his students in the form of a dialogue between a student and a teacher. And again, this is meant initially for younger people. That was the intended audience of this publication 100 years ago. And it will be rather eye-opening because it's written, again, in a dialogue form but also in a Thomistic form. Or it starts with a very simple question and from there it builds. And I want you I want to know what you think of this when you hear it, because for modern Catholics, Christ the King is something that has explicitly been put aside in many places. I have seen Catholics, especially and even priests online say they would not want to live under the social reign of Christ the King. Think about the implications of that. So here we have Father Dennis Fahey on what it really means to have the social reign of Christ the King. The supreme authority of God over all society A dialogue between a teacher and student, written by Father Dennis Fahey Teacher You know, of course, the first articles of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son our Lord. The Church expresses the same truth in the Creed at Mass. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. Student. Yes, but what do you mean by the words, creator, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things, visible and invisible? Teacher. By those words I mean that everything that exists other than God has been made by God, and that all things visible visible and invisible have been created by him student what distinction do you make between visible and invisible things teacher on the one hand there are things which fall under the sense of sight of hearing or of other senses which are in some ways tangibles these are the visible things there are on the other hand things which really exist of which one can have knowledge but which cannot be perceived by the senses student Would you kindly give some examples of invisible things teacher the angel the human soul human thought and will human power and authority these are all examples of invisible things student but is not human society also an invisible thing teacher it is not visible in the sense that one can handle and touch it but it is fully perceptible in the sense that one can see that it exists thus for instance it is easy to perceive that one a nation is distinct from another and that an association public or private is distinct from any other association student then society whether considered as visible or invisible is a creature teacher yes and when in the creed we say i believe in one god the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and of all things visible and invisible We solemnly declare that every society, as well as man himself, has been created by God and, consequently, depends upon him, absolutely. This doctrine holds for every society, whether natural, that is to say, founded in a profound inclination of human nature, or voluntary, that is to say, due to the action of the human will. Student. May I have some proofs of the created nature of society? Teacher. Besides the testimony of the Holy Ghost in the Scripture and the testimony of the Holy Church, proofs from reason can be brought forward. Every society is made up of man. Every man is a creature. It follows that the relations of men with one another are created. Moreover, every society, like every nation, forms a real entity. This entity is a moral whole, having a real existence other than God's existence. Since it is not God, it has been created by God. And accordingly it must be dependent on him in an absolute fashion as every creature is dependent on its creator another fundamental truth is this man does not depend on god solely because he is a creature but also because god is his supreme and final end it is evident that the last end of every created thing is god more especially is god the last end supreme and infinite of every intelligent creature man is made to attain to god he must understand that he has been created for this end and must desire to reach it Now, God has endowed man with a nature, such that he cannot live otherwise than in society. As a social being, then, man must have God as his final and supreme end. Unless we hold this, we must hold that man finds this end of society in society itself, which would be to make out of society an idol. Societies are not eternal. It is clear, then, that their ultimate end lies in this, that, in and through them, the intellect and the will of their members should attain to God. Necessary consequences of that created state, which is the essence of human society. Student. Well then, what is the immediate consequence of the created nature of every society? Teacher. The first consequence is the necessary, absolute, and complete dependence on God of every society, of every established social order, as of every possible social order. Student. I do not understand. I fear the dependence of a social organism on God. A social organism has not got a conscience. Only the individual can grasp the meaning of duty and carry out moral obligations. Teacher, I know, but is there not a certain confusion of thought to be noted in what you say? In the first place, creation and the dependence that results therefrom for every society is not a consequence of the fact that man is endowed with a conscience, but of the fact that man has received from God being in existence. His creation did not depend upon himself. He is a created being, whether he likes it or not. It is the same thing for every society. Its coming into being did not depend upon itself. Its created condition belongs to its very existence. Moreover, every community is a group of intelligent beings, and such a group has as its first duty to understand what is essential to it. It must therefore recognize the primary duties that are incumbent on it by the very fact that it is a created being. Now the first truth on which all others depend and which imposes obligations on the creature, is that of the sovereign dominion of God over every creature and the absolute dependence of every creature on God. A group of intelligent beings not recognizing this truth would fail in its strictest duty and would infallibly go astray. It is then rigorously necessary that every state, every nation, in a word, every human society should be absolutely subject to God. Thus, this obligation of social order is proclaimed by the conscience of a group or social body. Just as by the individual conscience. Student. I understand, but has that created condition, which is proper to every society, no other consequences? Teacher. Another consequence is that every society depends upon God in its very con- constitution. By that I mean that everything that goes to make up a community must be impregnated with God. Let me explain further. In every community must be found a union of wills, an adaptation of means to an end, an end to be attained. In each of these elements, the society, being God's creature, depends upon Him. It follows as a strictly logical consequence that when a community is constituted, it should examine the end to be attained by it from the point of view of the ultimate and supreme end, God Himself. The union of wills must be made in the practical dependence on God. The adaptation of means to an end must be in conformity with the demands of the eternal law. Accordingly, when a state is first formed, its first duty is to place at the basis of its charter Or constitution and of its legislation the most absolute dependence upon god and the most complete conformity to the eternal law to state the contrary would be to set up disorder and to open the way to idolatry student but in saying this you seem to affirm that states are obliged to offer worship to god teacher quite so what has been said above applies to every group of intelligent beings The first duty of every state, every nation, and every league of nations itself is to be convinced of its primary obligations. God is the God of societies, as he is the God of individuals. But as it is the property of societies to act socially, therefore, as societies, they owe to God absolute dependence, recognition, and acknowledgement of this dependence and worship. Student. But how can states be obliged to offer worship to God, when in fact God is unknown to them? Teacher. To that question, I answer in the words of St. Paul. In the first chapter of the epistle to the Romans, he speaks as follows, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and injustice of those men that detain the truth of God and injustice, because that which is known of God is manifest in them. For God has manifested it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, his eternal power also, and divinity, so that they are inexcusable because that when they knew God, they have not glorified him as God, nor given thanks. See the letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 18 to 21. The Holy Spirit declares, through the mouth of the doctor of the Gentiles, that the pagans immersed in all the horrors of false belief and evil practice are inexcusable, in that they have not known and glorified God. He accuses them of having rejected the light. He can find no excuse for them. Modern states are just as truly without excuse as those of whom St. Paul speaks. We cannot admit that their attitude is in conformity with the requirements of reason. To rulers and leaders as to all others, God makes himself manifest by his works, and any of them that refuse to exact that an official and social worship be offered to God by the state, they are inexcusable for the reasons given by St. Paul. Simply from the point of view of reason, governments, parliaments, legislators, all alike must offer to god that worship from which they cannot dispense themselves and from which they cannot dispense any state or any community the conclusion from these facts is that even if a state could be excused for not submitting to the directions of the church which are unknown to it nothing can excuse it from the duty of worship of god and from submission to the divine precepts of eternal law student you consider then all public men to be inexcusable who for political and prudential reasons dare not assert the supreme authority of god over all created things and especially over social organisms teacher certainly the apostle saint paul goes further he declares that god's wrath will be manifested against the nations who dis- disobey this primordial law those who refuse to accept god as creator ruler and sovereign lord of all society are going against the natural law in the light of their reason we cannot accept their theories we must combat them with the utmost energy student Am I to understand, then, that under these conditions all statecraft is and must be subordinate to God? Teacher? That is so. All statecraft must be subordinate to God. Whatever meaning is given to the term statecraft or politics, it must be recognized that it expresses a reality dependent on God. Moreover, it is here above all that we must apply that principle over our last end, set forth above. We can never lose sight of the fact that man is placed on earth to prepare for eternal happiness. All institutions, divine or human, have for their last end the glory of God and the salvation of souls. Hence all social institutions, all political activities, and lines of direction must take into account this fundamental truth, that man is made, not for this world, but for eternity. The constitutions of nations, their legislation, their legal, administrative, and other organization must all envisage, first and before all, the last end of all human existence. All statecraft must, like everything else, on account of this last end, be in conformity with the eternal law of God, with the creed and with the Ten Commandments. Student, But this would seem to mean that the state must be totally subordinated to God. Is not this rather the case with the church? Teacher, Undoubtedly, the church, like every society, owes to God complete obedience and submission. There are in the world many and various societies, among which to predominate all over the others. The church and the state. If we are insisting on the dependence of the state upon God, it is because of current errors on the subject. The submission owed by the church to God must be all the greater because it is her task to guide men towards the eternal destiny. She depends upon God for her very existence and for the means which He puts at her disposal for the sanctification of souls. She depends upon God, too, by the obligation that rests upon her of pointing out alike to private citizens and public men, to private associations and to states. road to be followed for the attainment of life eternal to sum up every society depends upon god the state is a society it depends upon god the church is a society it depends upon god its dependence being of a more intimate character the church is charged with the diffusion of the inner supernatural life of god student all this would seem logically to establish that there is an obligation on church and state to be in agreement in the government of men teacher that is the case The sovereign pontiffs have always taught that there should be a perfect understanding between church and state. The reason of this is simple enough. Church and state are two institutions established by God. The mission of the church is to guide men to their final happiness. The mission of the state is to procure the material and temporal well being of the subjects. This well being must be sought by the state in such wise that its subjects may not only not be hindered, but be actually favored in the pursuit of their final end. As his last end is man's supreme object, It is evident that everything must be subordinated to it, as the church is charged with the mission of guiding men with certainty to their last end. It is God's will that she should be obeyed. Her power, without extending to matters of a purely material order, which involve, that is, no spiritual interest, does extend to the manner of using temporal and passing goods with a view to attaining the final end of man. Pius the Ninth and Leo the Thirteenth have explicitly condemned the doctrine of the separation of the church and state. Student. These precepts are exceedingly serious. It would seem that to be in accord with the divine truth and divine law, no human intelligence should ever deliberately entertain the notion of a state, a community, or even politics being independent of God. Teacher. In truth, a thought of this sort fully accepted amounts to an explicit declaration of independence on the part of the creator against its creator. It is a revolt of the mind against God, and this revolt is a sin of exceptional gravity. And there you have it. Hard words for modern ears. But he is right. Father Fahey was correct when he said that the Sovereign pontiffs have condemned our modern understanding of these things. It's true. They have. Until Vatican II. Another one of the modern errors that we see permeating everything and that has had very obvious consequences in the Church. Let me know what you thought of this in the comments, please. I know it might have been a little dry-sounding, but he wrote this in the form of a catechism for young people to read. Wish you to think about that for a moment. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein, Ave Maria.